Welcome to the Pure Flix Podcast, a show brought to you by PureFlix.com. PureFlix.com, the faith, family, and fun video streaming service. Get ready for uplifting news, scripture, movie reviews, and interviews with some of your favorite actors, authors, and pastors. Let's get started. Welcome to the Pure Flix Podcast. I'm Billy Hollowell, and this week we have a packed show for you, as always. I feel like I always start out saying that because it's always true. We've got some great people coming on the show. We've got Lee Strobel. He's the author of The Case for Christ. He's also the subject of the film, The Case for Christ, which is streaming right now on Pure Flix. And I want to tell you, before we dive into all of this, that we also are part of the Edify Podcast Network. And if you're not familiar with the Edify Podcast Network, it is a network of Christian podcasts. It's also an app, and it's spelled E-D-I-F-I. If you go to your app store on your phone or your tablet, you can download the app, and you can play thousands of Christian podcasts. We are one of the shows that is part of that network, and we are excited to be part of Edify. You'll hear a little bit more about Edify later on in the show. Now... Having said that, before we get to our interview with Lee Strobel, I have to tell you about a story that really, it really struck me and it, it was a little eyebrow raising. It's a new survey out from Gallup and the survey says that Americans are increasingly less likely to belong to a house of worship. Now, this is from Gallup. Gallup is a trusted research firm, research organization, and over eight decades, they have been studying Americans' church habits. And so right now, and this is just wild to me, only 47% of Americans say that they belong to a church, synagogue, or mosque. So 47% of Americans belong to a house of worship, okay? So not just Christian houses of, houses of worship, but any house of worship at all. Now, that number, that 47%, that is down from 50% in 2018, and this is where it gets a little wild. It's down from 70% in 1999. That means that 70% of Americans were part of a church. They were members of a house of worship, not just a church, but maybe a synagogue or a mosque in 1999. And that has decreased down to 47%. This is the first time it has ever dipped below 50% in the history of Gallup. This is, again, 80 years worth, more than 80 years worth of research asking Americans this question. And when you look at the overall numbers, and, and look, this it's not just about numbers. This actually really matters. It's a very important issue for us to talk about. If you're a Christian, if you care about faith in America, understanding what is going on when it comes to church membership um, is pretty pivotal. So Gallup first asked this question in 1937, and at the time, 73% of the country said that they were members of some sort of house of worship. That remained around 70% every single decade up until around the year 2000, and ever since then, it has been in a free fall. So we are now again at 47%. Now, this is causing a lot of distress for people, and we have a whole write-up if you want to read more about this over at insider.pureflix.com. But here's the thing. What do we do? What do we do as Christians in the wake of this sort of data coming out that fewer people are part of churches, fewer people we know are calling themselves Christians, fewer people are you know, believing the things of the Bible? Now, what does that mean? What does that call us to do? And my recommendation is always to remember 
that Christianity has done very well in very difficult circumstances. I recall a group of, you know, 11 people essentially who came together and after Jesus's death and resurrection helped spread the gospel throughout the entire world, a very small group of people. And so we have to remind ourselves of that. There's a lot going on in culture, a lot is changing and happening. But what do we do? My first recommendation, and we talk about this in the article over at Pureflix Insider, is to pray, to pray for our churches, to pray for our families, to pray for our nation. The second thing that we need to do is to reach out to people, invite people to church, right? Invite people to understand what the Bible tells us about the truth. And the final thing for us to do is to look for other ways outside of the people around us to spread hope and spread truth. So you want to get inspired. And, you know, listen. We're all about giving you inspiration. We have at PureFlix Inspirational Entertainment. We have all sorts of content to uplift you. And I would recommend you go over to insider.pureflix.com, sign up for our newsletter. We've got a weekly newsletter where it brings you all of the entertainment and faith news that we're covering. And we've also got daily content at insider.pureflix.com that you can read movie content, prayer and faith content, news, and so much more. So you want to check that out. Don't let these numbers get you down, but you want to be aware of them. You want to know what is happening in faith and in culture. Now, we have some great stories. I just want to highlight a few of them over at PureFlix right now. Now, the first story is about a man named Peter Mutabazi, and he was born in Uganda. He lived in some very horrific circumstances. He ended up living on the streets and has this crazy personal story. He ends up coming to America after somebody helps him. A man comes and pours life into him, treats him in a kind way, shows him his value. And when that happens, he ends up later coming to America, and now he is a foster care advocate. He is helping other kids here in the U.S. who are struggling in the same ways that he was struggling in Uganda. And it's just this incredible overcomer story, but also an inspirational and convicting story about what we should be doing to help others. You can read about Peter over at insider.pureflix.com. We also have a story with the anniversary of Columbine coming up on April 20th about Rachel Joy Scott, one of the victims of Columbine. This particular story talks about her journal entries, these prophetic journal entries that she wrote before her death that really show us a lot about faith and hope and life. You can check that story out. And we've got five powerful quotes from Miracles from Heaven. The film Miracles from Heaven is streaming right now on Pure Flix. That's the movie that stars Jennifer Gardner. It's the real-life story of Annabelle Beam, a little girl who essentially fell into a hollowed-out tree and, and visited heaven. It's a really fascinating story, a really touching movie. Again, it's Miracles from Heaven. We've got a great story on that that pulls the quotes out from the film, gives you some inspiration. Even if you haven't seen the movie or maybe you have seen it, and you don't really want to watch it again, check those quotes out. But I would encourage you, watch the movie again. It's a great film. I've seen it a number of times and absolutely love it. And last but not least, we have a story from, or rather about, Justin Bieber. And it's him sharing his journey to God, which we've talked about a bit on this show in the past. But in addition to that, he talks about the celebrity worship of pastors. And it's a really fascinating set of comments that he makes about what he finds to be troubling about celebrity worship of preachers. So you want to check all that out. And then after the break, we're going to take a very brief break. We will come back with Lee Strobel. I'll see you in just a bit. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. 
Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. Did you know you can access thousands of entertaining and inspiring faith and family-friendly TV shows, movies, and original series? It's simple. Just log on to pureflix.com right now to start your free trial. From kids' content to some of the most uplifting films, we've got your entire family covered. Sign up today. And we are back with more of the Pure Flix podcast. I am excited to have Lee Strobel on the show today. Now, Lee is a fascinating author. If you're not familiar with his work, he's written books like The Case for Christ, The Case for Faith, and has an incredible personal testimony. He was an atheist journalist, okay? Very skeptical that God existed and almost hostile toward the notion that God existed. And his wife, becomes a Christian, and everything changes. Now, I don't want to give the whole story away. If you know the story, great. If you don't, you're going to want to hear about it. Now, you can watch his story unfold, his faith journey unfold in the movie, The Case for Christ, which is streaming right now on Pure Flix. But with no further ado, I want to welcome Lee Strobel to the Pure Flix podcast. Hey, Lee, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Billy. Great to see you and uh, talk with you and your listeners as well. So we obviously are here to talk about a lot of things. I absolutely love your story. And for those who don't know, you are the author of many books, but the book that sort of really kicked things off for you is The Case for Christ. And The Case for Christ is also made into a feature film, which is streaming on Pure Flix. It's an amazing movie. Um, It tells your story. And if people are not familiar with you, and I think most people um, in our audience are, you went from being a journalist and an, and an atheist yeah. to a Christian, but not only a Christian, but I would say one of the most outspoken and talented and, and the way you, you speak on faith is so incredibly touching. So you're a guy who's out there talking about faith now. Yeah. And I guess let's just, let's talk about your story. Okay. Yeah. You were again, a journalist. You were the legal editor over at the Chicago Tribune and you were an atheist. Describe your worldview at that time before becoming a Christian. Well, I tend to be a logical person. You know, my background's in journalism and law. So I had a very logical, rational approach to my worldview, which is that if there is no God, if there is no heaven, if there is no hell, if there is no judgment, you know, if there is no ultimate accountability, then the most logical way to live my life would be as a hedonist. And so that's what I did. Someone just pursued pleasure. And so I lived a very immoral and drunken and profane and narcissistic, um, self-absorbed life. I mean, that was my life. I had great success in my career, but you know, what people saw was me winning awards for investigative reporting. They didn't see the other side, which was me literally drunk in the snow in an alley on Saturday night. And when you look back at that person now, right. And, and, this is what I love about Christianity, this this pivot point, what yeah. Jesus does in somebody's life. When you look back at who you were then, what goes through your mind now because of who you are now? Yeah, it, it's such a such a, a radical transformation. I mean, my my daughter, who was five years old when I came to faith, 
who, uh, when I would, uh, you know, I would come home drunk and um, uh, belligerent and angry, and and uh, she would, her natural reaction was just to go in her bedroom and close the door. And when she was a toddler, um, after about four or five months of watching how God had changed my life and my values and my character, uh, she came up to my wife and said, "I want God to do for me what He's done for Daddy." So even at age five, she wow. saw the transformation. Something's different with her dad. Something's new with her dad. And it's been uh, in every area of my life, my worldview, my philosophy, my attitudes, my relationships, my priorities, my marriage, my parenting. I mean, all these things over time um, began to change for the good. Well, and that's the thing. And I know you've talked about this in your work and you've written on this as well, but we talk about evidence for faith. And I think we yeah. get into these weird debates sometimes with, with atheists and other people. And it's like, well, the evidence, what you just described, your kid seeing your life change, yeah. that is the evidence collectively in billions, millions, at least right now, but billions of stories throughout the history of time of people yeah. who have been changed in this radical way. And it's not just words coming out of their mouth. Yeah. It is an actual real change for them. And that's yeah. incredible. Yeah, you're right, that's Billy. I mean, we, we tend to, when we think of evidence for the faith, we tend to think of scientific evidence, cosmology, physics, biochemistry. We think of historical evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. But the, the transformation of lives, I don't think can be discounted as a powerful bit of evidence for the truth of Christianity. I mean, um, I wrote a book called The Case for Grace. Uh, which is just full of stories about radical transformation through Jesus. Um, so I think you're right. It does. Now, other religions can say, well, we have people who change too. Um, but, you know, when you combine the radical transformation of those who come to an authentic relationship with Christ uh, with the scientific evidence, with the historical evidence, you've got a compelling case for the truth of Christianity. And you have a volume of people because that will often be the response. Well, lots of things change people. And that's true. Lots of things change people, but not at the volume and not to the extent that you have seen Christianity change people. At the least, an atheist would, would have to say, well, you know, OK, this is compelling. You know, there's something here. These people these people are changing. And to me, though, when you put that all together, as you just stated, it is absolutely incredible. So let's go back to your story okay the, yeah. the beginnings of your story now you're living this way before you become a christian now you're married and your wife goes through a transformation and yeah. your wife becomes a christian so in that state that you were describing what was it like i don't want to give your whole the whole movie away but i want to just talk about this because i think it's important what yeah. was it like for you um watching your wife make that change and become a christian well the first words that went through my mind when she told me she'd become a Christian was divorce. Um, I was going to walk out. In fact, this is embarrassing, but um, she had just planted a big flower garden in our backyard and I, it was time for me to mow the lawn. And I remember right after she told me she'd become a Christian, I was so mad. I went out and I mowed down her entire flower garden. <laughs> about passive aggressive. But um, so I was angry. Uh, and yet in the following months, two things happened. In the positive sense, I saw positive changes in her character and her values, uh, the way she related to me and the children. It was winsome. It was attractive. It kind of pulled me toward faith. But on the other hand, I wanted the old Leslie back. I wanted our old life back. And I thought, how can I rescue her from this cult that she's gotten involved in? 
And I figured the easiest way to do that would just be to disprove the resurrection, because I knew even as an atheist, the resurrection was the key to Christianity. I'd seen a lot of dead people as a journalist at Chicago Tribune, and um, I never saw any of them come back after three days. So I thought this can't be that hard to disprove the resurrection. And I launched on what turned out to be a nearly two-year investigation of the evidence. And uh, every time I would punch it, it was like it was like one of those kids' punching bags. I don't know if you had one when you were a kid where it was a clown, you know, and you, you'd hit it. It would go back and it'd, it'd pop back up. It seemed like every time I would hit the evidence for the resurrection, it would go, it would bounce back up. And it's a doggone it. There's an answer to that. Or there's another uh, avenue to pursue. And I, uh, after two years, just came to the conclusion that the evidence uh, was so compelling that it would have taken me more faith to maintain my atheism than to become a Christian. So you basically, I love that analogy of that, that you, you think you're knocking it down every time yeah. and it just comes right back at you. Right in your and face. <laughs> right in your face. And you go on this journey and, and the Case for Christ book, I mean, it's amazing to detail the journey you went on. It's a very, very intricate, the people you spoke with, the people you interacted with, the people you interviewed to try to understand these different elements of faith. And it's remarkable to me to watch at the end of that that you're so overwhelmed by the details, you become a Christian, right? The exact thing that you mowed those flowers down over, it, you end up embracing it. For you, as, as a person coming into that, from that worldview that you had, what changed in you and how long did that take? What was that process like? You know, it was a process. It took time. Um, you know, I was pretty entrenched in my worldview and, uh, at that time. And so I'd say over the next six months to a year, um, People around me saw a difference. My children saw a difference. My daughter came to faith. Um, um, and, you know, I think, I think ultimately um, the people at the Chicago Tribune began to say something's going on with Strobel. <laughs> I was just uh, talking to a, one of my old colleagues at the uh, Tribune, and he said, you know, we thought you were going to become our boss. We thought you were going to become the editor eventually. And uh, nobody thought you'd become a Jesus freak. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, they, they, they never said anything to me when I was there, uh, but I heard behind my back, it was always like, what the heck happened to Strobel? <laughs> like, what's going on? God had different plans, right, for you. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's amazing. So you, you wrote the book, you've written many books, and at some point you decided, somebody came to you, and this idea to do a movie based yeah. on the book, emerged right and this is why we have the case for christ movie and there's a documentary case for christ as well which is something different um and case for faith i believe there's a couple of documentaries on some of your books but this was a movie reenacting your life and the very personal details of you and your wife and her becoming a christian it it goes deep yeah. into your story yeah. um and i want to talk about that film but before we do that yeah. i want to roll a clip and this is a man who we actually had a chance at Pure Flix to interview about the impact that the movie had on his life. So I want to roll this clip and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about it and we'll get into the movie. I was just really broken because I think I was coming off of, you know, a year or two of a failed marriage. When I fell off that cliff, you know, just tumbling down and hit the bottom and then started to question and Around that same time, I did see A Case for Christ. I was searching so hard when I came into that movie theater and I was ready to surrender. 
And I think I was kind of like him. I just came to a surrender, you know, in my faith, where I was like, I can't, I can't disprove this. In fact, I think it's all real. That was pretty much what did it for me, that film. For me, it's like, like a story can reach us in a way that's eternal. That was an amazing clip, getting a chance to see how, and I love the quote that he had, that basically for him, that movie was it. Like watching yeah. the movie was that pivot point moment. What's it like for you to hear a story like that? It's so awesome. It's so encouraging. And there've been so many of them. I get emails all the time from people who have similar stories. There was a church in New Zealand that rented a movie theater and showed the movie and 22 people came to faith right there. Um, I was in Des Moines, oh, Iowa, not long ago, right before COVID uh, took hold. And I was speaking at a conference and during a break, a pastor came up to me and he said, you know what my personal ministry is? I said, what? He said, when I meet someone who's not a Christian, I invite him over to my house for dinner. And then I say, let's watch this movie together. And we do. I said, what's well, a great idea? I said, what's the response been? He said, over 30 people have come to faith. Um, That's incredible. It, it's incredible. And God uses that film in ways that I never had anticipated. Um, I remember when I sat down with Michael Scott, who is the president of Pure Flix, and um, when he said, why don't we do a movie? And, and I thought, really? <laughs> I, I was kind of skeptical. Um, but uh, the amount, you know, John Gunn, the uh, director, and, and Brian Bird, the screenwriter, just went the extra mile to say, let's make this uh, not a cringeworthy film that uh, unfortunately too many faith films sometimes are, but let's make it a, let's make it a great film. And I remember when they showed me the rough cut of the movie and they said, what do you think? I said, well, it's really good. And they said, nah, it's not good enough. And they went out, they showed it to a bunch of audiences, including non-believers and got a bunch of feedback and went out and they probably filmed 10 new scenes. Um, wow. The film, they didn't have to do that. It was a good movie before, but then it became a really great movie. And I thought, what a commitment to saying, we're, we're going to do something here that's special. Um, they, they, they spent the money, they took the time, and they created, you know, I can't take credit for it. it, it I didn't create it. Uh, I'm just thrilled the way that God uses it. Well, you were open to what the plan that God had for you, which was long ago, first of all, writing the book, right? When you wrote the book, you probably had no idea this is going to be a movie. I mean, that probably wasn't even on your radar, right? <laughs> no, not, I mean, <laughs> not at all. Was it, was it hard when that idea came up? And of course, if anybody hears we want to do a movie, it's exciting, right? But I would imagine there's a moment where you think, well, there's a lot of personal stuff here. Is this something... Because yeah, it's a little different from the book in that I feel like it goes much deeper into what was going on in yeah. personal relationships. So what was that process like of making that decision to really open yourself up in that way? Well, what I never realized is that when you kind of give away your life story to a movie maker, you lose all control. In other words, it, it be, and which makes sense, because if they gave me the ultimate control to say yes or no, and they go out and they spend millions of dollars and time to create this movie. And they come to me and I say, nah, I don't like it. Forget it. Um, that's not going to work. So you contractually really have no control over the movie. On the other hand, I um, negotiated part of the contract where I got to choose the screenwriter. And um, I chose Brian Bird, who's written 17 movies, fantastic screenwriter, and he's a good friend of mine. And I knew Brian would protect my story. 
And so we spent hours and hours, days with Brian, Leslie and I sitting with him and talking about the intimate um, uh, parts of our marriage and about how this whole uh, ordeal of this two years when she was a, a committed Christian and I was a committed atheist, uh, the clashes that we had, the problems that we had. And we were very honest with him and, and he protected our story. Um, he he um, presented it with integrity. And not that, not that the movie is exactly, you know, it's a 90 minute movie. And, and in order to create a 90 minute movie, you've got to uh, have some time shifting. You got to have some composite characters, but it is about 85% accurate uh, in terms of what, it, which is incredibly high for a, a based yeah. on story film. So we are thrilled the way it came out. And, and you know, it, Pure Flix was so good. At the end, they said, they called me up and they said, Lee, we're about to lock the film, which means that's it, it's done. Do you have any hesitations? Do you have anything you're concerned about? We'll make whatever changes you want. That's awesome. They didn't need to do that, but they were committed to saying, let's do something with high integrity. Let's um, uh, do it with um, as much skill as we can. Uh, as much art as we can and uh, let's create a film that speaks to people's souls as well as to their minds well and we saw that in the video and you've gotten emails as you were saying about this that this is a story that is changing people's lives and it's incredible i mean it's incredible to see that now i'm going to ask you a faith question because yeah. a couple of different faith questions going back to that journey when you finally concluded that Christianity is real, that this evidence is pointing to something that is true. What was that final thing for you that made that convincing argument? I think, you know, it's a cumulative case. So it, 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 there wasn't one fact that kind of clinched it for him, but there was one final piece of the puzzle. And that was um, I, my argument against Christianity and against the idea that the disciples um, 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 you know, were, had, had, had encountered the risen Christ. Um, I would say, you know, the fact that they were willing to die for this, you know, what actually happened to them gets a little bit lost in history, but their willingness to die is well established by seven ancient sources. But I'd say, well, so what, you know, lots of terrorists throughout history have been willing to die for their faith. Kamikaze pilots in World War II crashed their airplanes into boats because they thought they'd go to paradise if they did that. Um, there are terrorists these days who will kill themselves in the course of a terrorist act, thinking and believing that they will go to paradise to be with God if they do that. So I thought, so what? That the disciples lived lives of deprivation and suffering and were willing to die for their conviction that Jesus had appeared to them. And then somebody pointed out the difference. The difference is, let's, let's take a terrorist today. A terrorist says, I'm going to crash an airplane into a building. Um, why would he do that? Why would he die that way? Because he sincerely believes with all of his heart. If he dies that way, he'll go to paradise. Does he know for a fact? Well, no, he can't know for a fact. He just believes it. He has faith in it, and he's willing to do it. In contrast, the disciples of all human beings who've ever lived in history were in a unique position to know for a fact whether Christianity was true or a lie, whether Jesus returned from the dead or if he didn't. They were there. They touched him. They talked with him. They ate with him. They were in the unique position to know whether this was true or whether it wasn't. And knowing it was true, they were willing to die for it. That's the difference. And that's huge. And that was kind of the final aha moment I had that um, 
You know, they were willing to die for it, not because of their faith in it, but because of the fact of it. They were there. They knew the truth. And, uh, and, and as I say, we have seven ancient sources of their um, willingness to die and living a life of deprivation and suffering as a result of their proclamation that Jesus had risen. So that was kind of the final piece. And then Leslie pointed out a verse to me, John 1, 12, that says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. And, and I noticed that verse has, an, uh, if you take the active ver uh, verbs out of that verse, it forms an equation of what it means to become a child of God. Believe plus receive equals become. So I said, okay, I get it. I believe based on the data of history that Jesus claimed to be the son of God, that he backed it up by returning from the dead. I believe it based on the facts, but that wasn't enough. I had to receive. Receive what? Receive this free gift of forgiveness and eternal life that Jesus purchased for me on the cross when he died as my substitute to pay for all of my sin. And when I'd receive this free gift of his grace, then I would become a child of God. And that's where that moment in the film where I get on my knees and I, in real life, I poured out a confession of a lifetime of immorality that would absolutely curl your hair. And at that moment received complete and total forgiveness through Jesus Christ and became a child of God. I love it. And that is, uh, that is so powerful. And for anybody who is tuning in right now or listening right now, we're talking about the case for Christ with Lee Strobel. You can watch the movie on pure flicks right now. So one final question, and it's, it's a big question to end with, but it's something because I love what you just delivered and I, and I love the apologetics that you do and getting people to think deeper on scripture and noticing things that maybe we miss sometimes and pointing us to them. I notice with atheists a lot, one of the big, and even Christians who are struggling with their faith and going through doubt, one of the big objections that people will say is, well, why? Why did Jesus have to die? Like, why couldn't have God, do, he's God, he could do it another way. Like, why did it require this, this difficult, gruesome death? And I know that's a big question to kind of conclude with, but I wanted to throw that to you because this is obviously a season last week, you know, was Easter. And, you know, this is something people have been thinking about. So how would you respond to that very big question? Yeah, I mean, it is a big question, but um, I think it, it fundamentally makes total sense um, when you think about it. For instance, uh, there's a payment made um, when we do something wrong, when we harm another person. And, and I'll give you an example. Let's say um, you borrow my car and uh, you, when you return it, it's got a huge scratch along the side of the car. Now, I could just say, I forgive you. And you'd say, oh, thank you, and walk away. But then I have to pay for the repair of the car. Either I'm going to pay for the repair of the car, or I'm going to pay when, as a reduced price when I go to sell the car. There is a price to be paid. Um, uh, and in the, in the case of Jesus, he said, I will pay the price. I will pay the death penalty that you deserve for the sins that you've committed. I will pay that and offer that payment as a free gift of my grace uh, so that you can be forgiven, so that you can spend eternity with me. So it, I think it makes sense that, that um, um, he, would, he would be our substitute to pay for the sins that we've committed and offer mm. forgiveness as a gift of his God. That's, that's an expression of God's love. Um, so, you know, sin has to be paid for. It, 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 it is a, it's like paying for the scratch in the car. Somebody's going to pay for it. 
either I'm going to pay for it for eternity, which is eternal separation from God, uh, or Jesus is going to pay for it on my behalf and offer forgiveness as a gift that I need to receive, as we've talked about. Um, I would much rather receive that free gift of his forgiveness than pay for the penalty of my sins forever. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for breaking that down. And thank you so much for writing the case for Christ, for giving your story over to be told into a movie form. And again, anybody watching, you can check the movie out on Pure Flix. Appreciate your time today. Thank you, Billy. I love what you do. And uh, thanks for uh, the opportunity to speak to your viewers. And we are inching towards the end of our show, but actually, I want to play another interview for you. This is an interview that I recently did with Roma Downey. She is an actress and a producer. She did the Bible series. She did this, the show AD that was on NBC, Son of God. She's done a bunch of movies, TV shows. She was also in Touched by an Angel. I am sure you're familiar with her. Her husband, Mark Burnett, the two of them team up together on faith-based projects, and their newest movie, Resurrection, recently made headlines. Just before Easter, I had a chance to sit down with Roma and to hear about her show. And so you're going to hear her talking about this new movie, rather, Resurrection, what people can gain from it and take away from it. But you also get a chance to hear about her career and the chances that she and Mark Burnett took going into faith-based content. Now, this is a tough thing to do in some facets of Hollywood, and hearing their story is incredible. I always love getting a chance to sit down with Roma. So with no further ado, we're going to run our interview with Roma Downey. Hey Roma, how's it going today? Billy, it's going very well, thank goodness. And you? I am doing well. I'm doing well. So you have an exciting project coming out, and I feel like every time we talk, you have something amazing happening. And this is a film called Resurrection. Tell us a little bit about this. How did this get started? What inspired you to do it? Well, I think, you know, having just come through or almost through this very challenging year of COVID pandemic, Mark and I uh, in discussion said, wouldn't it be great if we had something that we could offer a resource, a film, some of our work that would be suitable to, to air at this time. And so we got back into our edit base and started working up um, and put together this beautiful, crafted a beautiful film about the resurrection of Jesus. And around Christmas time, you know, it's so, it looks so good. And because it is a, a big, epic biblical drama, uh, we had a hope that perhaps it would have an opportunity to play on the big screen. Um, but, you know, because of theaters aren't fully open across the country and maybe it's still not really safe to be gathering in large groups, we struck up a, a partnership with Discovery Plus, which is a brand new streaming platform. Very exciting. Um, and they have lots of really good family-friendly content over there. So we knew it would be a safe place to invite an audience to come in, to be able to watch Resurrection over the Easter holidays from the comfort and safety of their own homes. And so, you know, that's what it's going to be. I mean, I'm super excited because I remember as a child growing up in Ireland many moons ago, and we would gather at Easter to watch Jesus of Nazareth. We would watch the greatest story ever told. But I, I have fond memories of gathering with my family around the television. You know, I mean, we loved getting our Easter eggs. Don't get me wrong. 
the Easter Bunny, <laughs> but to be reminded of the true story of Easter, which is really such a love story, uh, such a hope story. And, um, and the film, you know, I think really, you know, it will open hearts. I mean, as always with this content that we make, Billy, from back from the Bible series or Son of God, you know, uh, even on my days on Touched by an Angel, you think, you know, I mean, I believe that a church audience will find this, but there's always the opportunity maybe that somebody that doesn't know God or somebody who's fallen away from God might see the film and maybe because of the film, their heart will be open and, you know, and people could become closer to him again. So, um, especially right now, Roma, because people are so, people are feeling that need right now for something bigger. It's been such a difficult year. And I, and I've heard from so many people who maybe aren't believers who are curious and they're looking for, for that hope. And then here you come with yet another yeah. project that instills that. Yeah. People are looking for meaning, you know, that's for sure. And, um, you know, this is, uh, I think it really is the right, the right timing. We, for a minute thought maybe we should hold the film till next Easter, you know, and to give it this theatrical experience. Um, but, um, but we really understood that there is a, a greater need right now. And, you know, and from the safety and comfort of your own home to be able to gather with your own family, uh, over the Easter holidays. So, you know, maybe watch Son of God on Good Friday and watch Resurrection on Sunday, you know, and you get that kind of complete experience because unlike other movies of the genre, Billy, that really, you know, take a deeper dive into the ministry of Jesus or the passion of Jesus. This film really tells the story from the point of view of the disciples after the death of Jesus. So the film actually opens up at the crucifixion, but then we quickly go into the sort of aftermath. Now we know from scripture that only John the Beloved, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Jesus were at the foot of the cross. So where was everybody else? Where did they go? And you know, it, chances are they, they hid. They were scared to yeah. death. Yeah. I mean, if they were Petrified. killing, right. They were, they were, they, and we know from scripture also that Jesus told Peter he would deny him. Peter said, no, you won't. But we see Peter in a crowded situation. They're like, wait a minute, you were with him. You're one of the, you're one of his guys. And he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not, you know, for fear of his own life. So our film opens up and they're all coming back with they're heavy with grief because Jesus has died. They're heavy with confusion. They don't know what to do next. They're feeling fear. I'm sure they're feeling guilt and shame that they, you know, that they, that they weren't there. I mean, a myriad of emotions. And so to see that, to see the humanity of that, you know, to recognize well, our in that. It's very powerful, you know, yeah. because I think that, you know, it's easy from a, a point of view in, in our 21st century understanding of all this, that we imagine they were larger than life characters, you know, but to tell the story and just see their vulnerabilities, see their frailties, um, you know, it's a, I think it's inspiring to us because when we recognize ourselves in any story, you know, um, it, it makes resonates. That's what makes what you and Mark do so phenomenal to me with these stories, because, and I use the word stories, these real life events and what makes the Bible itself, the series, but also the Bible itself so amazing is that 
you know, you see the flaws in people. You don't often get to see that in any other, in any other, you know, holy book, but in the Bible, you really see these flaws and these amazing, you know, overcomer stories and the real humanity that you then, you know, are bringing to life in resurrection. You did it in the Bible and son of God and AD. And that's a really amazing thing. I would imagine from your end, you've done everything in Hollywood, right? Getting to be in front of the camera and behind the camera. As you've gone through all of these projects and you've looked deeply at the biblical narrative and then translated that to film, how has that changed you as a person or impacted your faith? Well, I think, you know, to be able to combine what you do with what you believe is very exciting. You know, I feel so fortunate um, that I get to do this and that I get to um, live in the, you know, in the material uh, of this. But, you know, from way back in the day, Billy, when I was an actor on Touched by an Angel, and likewise back then as, as I played the angel Monica and I was a messenger and the message was a message of God's love, you know, and at, at its height, I was able to deliver that message for 25 million people every week who tuned in to be reminded that there is a God, that he loves us and that he wants to be part of our lives. And Della Reese and I would hold hands and we would pray before we would deliver those scenes each week. And our prayer was always simple. And that would be that there would be less of us. There would be more of God, you know, that we would learn somehow to get out of the way. So that same prayer, I feel I have taken through all these projects, you know, that um, they've been prayed into. And um, that we just hope that that even though they're different stories from the Bible, the message is, is the same, really, that there is a God. He loves us and he wants to be part of our lives. And we see in the story of resurrection how much he loves us. You know, it's the illustration of love because it's not nails that hold Jesus to that cross. It's love mm. and, um, and love for us, you know. And we see Peter, you know, Peter is so well played by Adam Levy in this movie. But we see Peter coming back. You know, he, he has been the denier. But, um, and we see how Jesus, you know, loves him unconditionally you know that we there's room to make mistakes but we come back with you know and that we get a second chance and uh and peter takes that second chance and and has uh, amazing leadership and we see uh that through, throughout the film but you know between the hans zimmer score and the special effects for Pentecost, where the flames are flying around the room, and uh, and now we see these these disciples who weren't sure what their next steps were, now spilling out of the upper room, speaking languages they didn't even know they could speak, speaking in tongues, full of God, full of Spirit, ready to do what Jesus asked them to do, which is go tell everyone. You know, go spread the gospel, go tell everyone. And so, you know, Mark and I have had the privilege of being able to, to uh, you know, apply the, the Great Commission to our work. You know, I mean, we want to make a great and exciting movie, of course. We want a movie that entertains and that's, you know, that people enjoy. But but also we want to spread the gospel. And so to well, make and can I, I want to stop you there just for a minute, because it's so what I've always and I've known you for a while now, you know, when you yeah. first started you know, moving into the Bible, that's when we got a chance to meet and yeah. we've become friends. And I've always been so enamored by the fact that you and Mark, your husband, Mark Burnett, 
could do anything you want to be doing. And you made this decision. And here we are with resurrection, right? It's not just this one project. You, we've talked about the other projects from the Bible down the line. But you made a real decision to to bring the gospel forward into your work. And that wasn't, I would imagine, an easy decision. It was a big decision. So right. talk about that a little bit, why you chose to do that. I find, and it is, it's been, it's still complicated because not everybody wants to touch a subject matter. It's like makes a lot of people nervous. It makes advertisers nervous. You know, it's um, people want to sort of stay neutral and particularly in this cancel culture and culture where people like get outraged about all sorts of things. Um, that's why we're so grateful really to Discovery Plus because to find a home for a streamer that really, you know, happily is uh, welcoming faith and family content to their platform. And with the promise of if the audience shows up, because that's it's always, you know, here we're doing our part to make the movie, you know, and we're just hoping that, you know, the audiences, that believers everywhere and non-believers, but particularly believers will say, you know what? I want to see, you know, I want to be reminded it's Easter. I want to bring my family to enjoy this great film and to come over and to sign up, you know, because that's the only way we can continue to do what we do, um, you know, if the audience do their part as well. But just it hasn't always been easy. I mean, back when we decided to make the Bible series, Mark and I, a lot of our friends and colleagues here in Hollywood, you know, thought we were crazy. You know, they said, you're going to, you know, you're going to sort of like uh, pigeonhole yourself, you know. Well, I was already pigeonholed because I had been so outspoken from all my years on Touched by an Angel as well that I was, you know, a Christian. But um, uh, in fact, the opposite has happened. We, our other businesses have all thrived as well, you know, and people said we shouldn't work together as husband and wife, that that might be damaging to our marriage. And I have to say that our marriage has thrived. So, um, you know, now well, you've listened to God, though, Roma. And that's the thing. When you listen to God, even when it seems insurmountable or difficult or complicated, it all comes together because you've listened to God. Right. And you guys have done that so well throughout yeah. the years. And it's been so inspiring to watch. And I know we're rounding out to the end here. You've got a lot going on. You're busy talking yeah. about this amazing but I, project. I know want to sing it you know make a joyful noise onto the lord i just want to let everybody know that there is a brand new easter movie available it's uplifting it's inspiring it ends reminding us that in that first century there were a handful of believers a handful 12 it started with then grew 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 now we're over 2.2 billion today and that's i find just so encouraging so empowering and you know i hope the takeaway is that we remember that we are, you know, the family of Christ, that we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and we belong to each other, you know, and to love each other. This is, we're coming out, we're just about to burst out of our own tombs that we've been locked in for a year. We've had to re-examine our lives. What's important? Who's important? What from our old life can we cast away? What are we going to hold on to the lessons learned as we resurrect ourselves out into life again, as we see our schools resurrect and our businesses resurrect, hopefully our economy resurrecting. It has been a very challenging time, but the light is at the end of the tunnel. And, um, and with Resurrection Movie, we are reminded that, you know, that the light started in the tomb, 
the angel pulls the stone away and the light, you know, floods and the world has never been the same. Roma, that is an incredible little sermon. That's a mini sermon at the end. That was a perfect <laughs> close and so inspirational because we have been, we've been so locked in and it's been such a hard year for so many. Thank you for inspiring us. Thank you for what you and Mark do. And just, we, we so appreciate it. Thank you, Billy. I appreciate your support. Will you give my love to your family? I will. I will. Thank you, Roma. And that brings us to the end of the Pure Flix podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed our interviews with Lee Strobel and Roma Downey. And I hope you'll check out Pure Flix. Head over to pureflix.com. Sign up for a free seven-day trial. It's a free week of using Pure Flix. You can watch thousands of faith and family-friendly movies, original series, documentaries, kids content. The list goes on. Head over to Pure Flix today, and I will see you all very soon for another episode of the Pure Flix podcast. That's all for today's podcast. You can follow Pure Flix on Facebook at facebook.com slash pureflix and on Twitter at pureflix. And be sure to log on today to pureflix.com for thousands of faith and family-friendly movies and TV shows. Thanks for listening to the Pure Flix podcast.